Well, it's good to be with you ladies. I think it's been about four, four and a half years since Debbie and I have uh, been here. And uh, you're an intimidating crew. So <laughs> I told Debbie I only get nervous t- on two occasions when I have to pre- speak. And then one is uh, TMS Chapel and the other one is uh, Mindset for Missions. I'm not sure why that is. Nobody's bitten me yet, but uh, it is good to be here. We just arrived about 10 or 11 days ago. And this was a trip that was planned uh, for the end of April last year. And, of course, we all know what happened. And then we rescheduled in August. And they still were not doing international flights out of South Africa. And so we had to cancel again. And then we were booked for the 22nd of February. And then Emirates Airlines decided that they were no longer going to fly into South Africa because of the, the variant that, of COVID that they have there. And uh, so we had to fight with them, and finally they booked us on a Turkish airliner, and we left on February 26th and went to Istanbul. So uh, by God's grace, we're here. We're glad to be here and uh, just to share a little bit with you and just need to make sure I look at the clock there. But um, what I'm going to do is just take you through a a very short PowerPoint presentation, and uh, I must uh, ask your apologies uh, up front. It's not the best. Uh, It was put together at 6 a.m. this morning. Uh, So we haven't had time to even think about these kinds of things. And I'm no good at PowerPoint at the best of times. And this was the worst of times. So we uh, drove back from Vallejo yesterday after a missions conference up there over the weekend. So uh, you'll have to bear with me on this. But it'll at least give you a little bit of a pictorial and allow me to tell a little bit of our story And all of that, I think as you heard this morning, uh, Debbie and I were sent out by grace 26 years ago. And uh, so it it seems like a lifetime ago. And uh, every time we come back, there are new faces. And and, uh, it's a bit awkward because so many of the people we know are now gone. They've moved on, gone elsewhere. And uh, so we always look for a familiar face. I see a few of them here. So a lot of you I don't know. You might know my wife, though. Uh, so it's good to come back and reconnect, and that, in part, that's what this is all about. And uh, so I just want to share a little bit about what we're doing, and I'll have to uh, kind of stand to the side here, if that's okay, so I can see what's going on up here. But uh, we originally went to Cape Town to do church planting, and uh, so we've been involved with two church plants, and uh, those are all autonomous, independent churches at this point in time with their own South African leadership. And uh, what we're doing now is we're working with the first church plant that we were involved with 26 years ago. They invited us back, the senior pastor, and he wanted me to work with him and to help him with some things. And so I've been doing that. And uh, primarily our objective there now is to start a training center, which we've already begun, called the Berean Bible Institute. And uh, so I'll share more about that in a moment. But uh, this is, uh, well, this is an old picture of the family. Uh, but both of our kids, Micaiah and Janelle, uh, went to the Master's University. Both of them are graduates now. And uh, for the first time in many years, I don't have to pay tuition. And so I'm thankful for that. That's uh, Debbie and myself, and that is a more recent picture. And so we are empty nesters. And uh, so that's been an adjustment for us. When you've been on the field for, for 20-some-odd years, and all of a sudden your kids are 10,000 miles away, It does bring a new dynamic to ministry. And so now it's just Debbie and myself. 
And uh, these are our kids. This was, uh, I think, a master's university graduation in August that we couldn't come to because we couldn't get out of South Africa. That's my son who graduated and our daughter and our son-in-law and some good friends who uh, went on our behalf and uh, represented us while we watched it live stream. So, uh, but we, we might be empty nesters, but we do have some fur babies. And so uh, this is just a, we, we are normal people. We're missionaries are no different. We love animals. And uh, so that's uh, my good friend Higgins. He's on the left-hand side of the screen, named after Jonathan Quayle Higgins of Magnum P.I. fame. And then uh, this is Aggie, Agatha, and uh, from Despicable Me fame. So we kind of go with the entertainment theme when we name our animals. Aggie is, uh, she's part corgi and dash hound and uh, a little bit of other, a few other things thrown in. So uh, she's she's a real sweetheart. And these are our other fur babies. And uh, everybody lives in peace and great contentment in our household, both dogs and cats. They often sleep together, believe it or not. And that's Elsa on the left and uh, Miss Tufsey on the, the right, named after a character on SpongeBob SquarePants. So, uh, and, uh, so we, we do have some fur babies, and they keep us company and keep us entertained uh, when things are going uh, pear-shaped and sideways. But this is to give you an idea of where we're at, way down in South Africa, the very tip of the continent, And so when somebody tells me in the U.S. that they're from the South, I tell them I'm from the deep South, uh, the very deep South. And Cape Town is uh, the second largest city in South Africa behind Johannesburg. We're about four, four and a half million people now. And so it's a large metropolitan area, but we're 900 miles from Johannesburg. So oftentimes people, especially at Grace, will say, oh, do you know Tim Cantrell? Do you know Joel James? Do you know this person, that person? I might know them, but I seldom see them. Usually I have to come here to see them uh, at a conference or something because we're 900 miles away. And so Cape Town is quite isolated from the rest of the country and the rest of the population base. But Cape Town's called the mother city. And the reason why they call it the mother city is because it takes nine months to get anything done. <laughs> and uh, after you've been there a while, you, you quickly realize that. And it becomes frustrating for an impatient American like myself. So, and I always marvel. We come here, we walk into a restaurant, and uh, the service here is so much better. You might think it's bad in places, but you haven't been to South Africa where it takes an hour and a half just to, to, to have a meal. And uh, so it's, I've been complimenting everybody since we've been back. I said, oh, thank you. The service is so wonderful. So everything happens much more slowly as a result. And you have to adapt to that. That's part of the culture and uh, what they're known for. And Cape Town's a little bit slower in that sense than the rest of the country. I'm not sure why that is. But uh, we, we have many iconic sites there. And uh, our population, as I said, is about 4 million people, maybe 4.5 now. And uh, that's, we have different ethnic groups, of course. Uh, the largest population base is what are called the Cape Coloreds. Now, the Cape Coloreds are mulatto-raced uh, people. The, it's a result of slavery when some of those early Dutch settlers had black and Malaysian slaves. And so because of the intermixing there, the result is that you have a whole race of people that are neither white nor black, but they're somewhere in between. 
and uh, they are the largest population group in Cape Town. And so we've had a, a lot of ministry amongst the Cape Coloreds. We've had many Coloreds in our work there over the years. And uh, so it's uh, been a joy to uh, minister to, to them. As well, there are about 800,000 whites, and you'd have English-speaking whites, those of Afrikaans descent, which is Dutch descent. They speak Afrikaans, which is kind of a low form of Dutch. And, uh, but everybody speaks English, fortunately. That works well for me. And then uh, we have 1.4 million Koza-speaking blacks. So there are 11 major tri- black tribes in South Africa. And so things are still very tribal. Uh, probably the Zulu tribe is the most famous uh, of all the tribes and the largest of tribes. The Koza tribe is the second largest tribe, and uh, they are regionally and geographically most concentrated in the Western Cape province, which is where we minister. So we do have townships, Kayalicha, it's one of the largest black townships in South Africa, uh, behind Soweto up in Johannesburg and Alexandria, which is also up in Johannesburg. So that gives you a little bit of an idea. That's Table Mountain looking from uh, north to south. As you can see, a very iconic, uh, picturesque mountain. Uh, it's about 3,500 feet in height. And people come from all over the world uh, just to, or at least they used to. I don't, not so many now, but they come from all over the world to, to go uh, explore this mountain. It, have, it has its own floral and fauna kingdom up there that is unique to Cape Town. And uh, they have a cable car that goes all the way to the top. So, uh, or you can hike it if, if you're ambitious enough and uh, then hike down. And many people have gotten stuck and stranded on the side of the mountain as a result of that, not realizing it's not the easiest hike in the world to get up there. So, um, but uh, that's looking at it from a distance. This is just a picture from some of our earlier years of ministry uh, when we planted our, our second church plant, Living Hope Bible Church. And I think this was our, one of our first uh, church-wide camps that we had. You can see there's a great mix of people there. And uh, so Living Hope was a, a very mixed church, and it still is to this day. And uh, we were there recently for their 20th year anniversary, and it was a joy to be invited back and to speak and to see what God is doing uh, long after we have left Living Hope Bible Church. And that's really what church planting is all about. You're, you're trying to get, bring them to the point of maturity where they could stand on their own two feet and they can feed themselves and you're no longer needed. And so the church planter is always trying to work himself out of a job. And uh, so it's unique in that sense. And uh, by God's good grace, we were able to do that. And they've gone from strength to strength. They're, they're growing. They're maturing. Uh, people are coming to Christ. They're baptizing on a regular basis now. And uh, the men that we trained up for eldership are doing a tremendous job. And uh, so it, it was really gratifying to go back and to see what they're doing now after we've been away about nine years. Um, this was the really early years of Living Hope Bible Church. You can see I had hair, and it was not gray. And uh, so we, we actually started the church in our living room. So that's where we used to meet. And every Sunday morning, people would, would uh, drive to our home, and they'd park on the street, and they'd come inside, and we'd, we'd set things up in our living room, and that's where we had church. And uh, probably to our neighbors' um, Discussed. I'm not sure what they thought, but our music wasn't too loud at that point, so I don't think we really bothered them. They may have heard me preaching and thought, well, the zealot's at it again. 
But that's how we began. And uh, very, very humble beginning. So it's great to see what God has done there. Uh, we now work with uh, Tiny and Sue Cooper. Tiny was a pass, uh, one of the men that I helped train for ministry early on. And he is the pastor of Everglen Baptist Church, which is where we, we currently minister. And uh, I'm one of the elders there. There are only three of us as elders. We're training up some others to join us in the future. And so uh, he, and, he had invited us. this then so you can't shut me off that easily (laughs) so but uh, they invited us to come work with them and our primary task is lay leadership development so I'm the elder of leadership training and development and uh, I've been working with a group of seven men for the last three years uh, four of whom we just made deacons and uh, so I meet with them on a regular basis. They have homework. We, we have uh, a three-hour meeting. We discuss the homework. And uh, it's, it's an intense form of discipleship. And we call it Leadership uh, Training Development, or LTD. And so I've been doing that for the last three years. And then most recently, we started uh, something a little more serious, started a training center, the Berean Bible Institute. And so I'll have a picture or two. Of course, I speak a lot and, and teach where, wherever I can. This was out in Mitchell's Plain, which is a, a colored area of Cape Town. And uh, we were doing a seminar a few years ago on, uh, on the charismatic movement. And uh, because it's so big in so many of our townships and amongst so many of the people over there. And uh, so we put on our own strange fire conference, so to speak, over there and uh, imported about 300 of John's books on Strange Fire. And uh, fortunately, we weren't sure if we'd get shot or not, but uh, we had about 300 people who attended this conference. And uh, many of them had their eyes open to the truth on these matters. And so we praise God for opportunities like that. These were the men that were all part of the conference. You you might recognize Tim Cantrell on the far left there. Tim's a good friend, and we seldom get to see one another. But it's always a joy when you can minister with a fellow brother in Christ from the U.S. And we had the privilege on this particular occasion. Um, Let me... uh, these were just some of the people who attended. And so the, the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel has ripped through all of sub-Saharan Africa. And South Africa is not immune to that. And so this is something that we face on a continual basis. And uh, so this is why we did the conference. And it's something that we have to deal with even at Everglen Baptist Church. And many of our people come out of that movement as well because they get tired of the shallowness and they get tired of the lies. And uh, they're looking for something a little more deep. And so they will come to a church like ours and they hear expositional preaching and they say, this is it. This is what we've been looking for all of our lives. We just never found it. And what happens in South Africa is you have a cultural Christianity, uh, this veneer of Christianity, both from the Anglican Church and from the Dutch Reformed Church. And so they grow up in these dead, dry churches where the truth is never proclaimed, where the gospel is never heard. And from that, they jump out of that into the excitement and the enthusiasm of the charismatic movement and the health, wealth, and prosperity movement. And then after a few years and all the gymnastics later, they come to a point where they realize realize this is really quite shallow and they're looking for something more deep and uh, that's usually about the time that they find us 
And so we have uh, counseled and discipled many people out of this movement over the years. Um, you can see we were selling John's books and uh, sold out on this occasion. It's hard to get a lot of John's books over there. And uh, so we have to import them. I think now we're bringing them in from the U.K., from Grace to You in the U.K. Uh, so that's where we have to get our books and pay all of the tariffs and everything. But as I said, we've started the Berean Bible Institute, our BBI, as we call it. This is from our web page. And uh, so we realize there's a need to train men and try to keep men in South Africa so that we don't have to send all of our people over here to train. And uh, so there are four of us who have joined together, and uh, we've started the Berean Bible Institute, which is being housed at Everglen Baptist Church. And so this is just from the front page of our web page. And uh, we really want to teach these men how to exposit the word of God, uh, because that's something that isn't done very often in the churches over there. And so we're trying to teach them expositional preaching, much like what you get here at Grace Community Church, minus John MacArthur, of course. So... We have uh, started this very humble beginnings. We had our first class at the end of last year. Uh, we didn't want to start online, but due to COVID, we've had no uh, alternative but to teach online for the time being. And so we had 16 people in our Old Testament survey class, and uh, we just began our New Testament survey, and there are 30 people signed up for that. And so we're, we're just slowly starting to roll this out and trying to get our feet under us. And that would certainly be a big prayer request that we have. Pray for us because we're only in the uh, incubative stages of Berean Bible Institute. And we have a very, very long way to go. And uh, so there's a lot of work to do. And uh, I'm a lot of administration. Ad administration is not my strong suit, but uh, I'm forced to do it. And this is a labor of love. And this is how we want to finish our ministry out in South Africa, because uh, what's really needed are men to start their own churches and to take over existing churches and do revitalization works in existing churches. And uh, so I can train more men than I can plant churches. And so now we want to take all of that experience and help train the next generation of South African men for the work of ministry there. And uh, these are just the, some of the men helping me. Bruce Newsom, uh, he's a graduate of the Master's Seminary, but he's South African. Uh, that's where his citizenship is. He and his wife, Bonnie, minister in a brethren church, uh, not too far from us, about six or seven miles from Everglen Baptist Church. And he's a wonderful teacher, uh, great uh, coordinator of syllabi and things like that. And so we're really blessed to have uh, Bruce as a part of our team at BBI. And so I thank God for him. Uh, this is his wife, Bonnie, as well. And they've been ministering in South Africa for many years as well. Uh, she, she is the daughter, his wife is the daughter of uh, American missionaries in Zimbabwe. So she grew up in so, sub-Saharan Africa and knows the culture well. Uh, this is uh, Lundgren Telhyard. Uh, he is of Afrikaans descent, but he is also a graduate of the Master's Seminary. He just finished his Ph.D. at uh, Northwest University in Pachestrum, South Africa. And uh, so he'll be teaching some theology and apologetics for us. And uh, I think I've got a picture with his wife and family. His wife is American. I think she's a graduate of the Master's University as well. And they met here when he was in seminary. 
And so God led them to go back. They are planting a church in Stellenbosch, which is on the outskirts of Cape Town. It's a university town, and they have a thriving work there. We have the privilege of going there two or three times a year to preach. And he has all of these young university students. And uh, so it's just a joy to go there because there's so much life and vibrancy in his church. And uh, so he's also part of our our team BBI. This is uh, Denver Solomon. Denver is one of my Timothys and came to me 20 years ago when we first started Living Hope Bible Church. When he came to me, he was 23 years old. He was wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, and, and zealous to a fault. He, uh, he, along with one other man who came with him, the, I called him the Sons of Thunder. Uh, Shanton in Denver, and uh, they had all this tremendous zeal for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The problem is they didn't have the knowledge and the maturity to match the zeal that they had, and so they were a lot like lunatics wielding a sword as they ran around, and uh, did a, I had to do a lot of damage control in those early years. And when Paul writes in Colossians 1.28, and he says, and we proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man, I can assure you there was a whole lot of admonishment going on. So, uh, but uh, I had no idea at that time that God would raise him up to ultimately be the pastor of Living Hope Bible Church. And we had the opportunity to send him back here about five years ago. And uh, he was at the seminary for three years. He's been back in Cape Town for two and going from strength to strength and blessing to blessing. And uh, it's just gratifying to see how God's using him and how he's excelled in the faith over the years. Um, This is our library uh, for BBI, or at least it's our temporary library. You can see the boxes of books. And uh, they've now been unpacked and put on the shelf. I have someone who is uh, helping me, and he's going through and cataloging all of these books. We have about a 1,000 books now. And uh, we had a church in Lancaster, Roosevelt Community Church. They gave us 650 books, most of them reference works. We shipped them to South Africa, and uh, we've put those on the shelf as well. Uh, you could see we bought some books. Uh, we were given a gift last year of uh, $3,500 to go out and to buy some books. And so I went on a shopping spree at one of the local, there, there aren't many good Christian bookstores there, but there, there is one in, in Cape Town. And so I went there and purchased over $3,500 worth of books. And these are just some of them. And so uh, we praise God for that. Recently, somebody else gave me some more money for books. So we just keep buying books. And uh, we're going to need about six or 7,000 uh, when it's all said and done. But uh, we've gotten a good start to all of that. And uh, this is our first classroom for uh, BBI. It looks rather barren right now, but we want to put 20 desks in there. And uh, then we'll be able to, to use this as a classroom. We did some conversions there to make this possible. And this is where we'll host our on-site students. And uh, so we'll begin this way, and we eventually want to add on to the church so that we can have three classrooms, a library, and a small office complex. So this is uh, very humble beginnings for for us as uh, we begin this enterprise. And uh, that's just uh, my good friend in the faith there on the right. uh, That's Brian Murphy from one of the seminary professors and the pastor of Roosevelt Community Church with David Fall. Uh, You might be familiar with him. He and his wife just went out to Johannesburg, and they're ministering up in the Joburg area along with Tiny Cooper. Um, 
And uh, just to give you a little bit of our fruit over the years from some of the personal work and evangelistic endeavors, uh, that's Justine on the right-hand side. And Justine came to us 20 years ago. Uh, She was a drug addict. Uh, She was in the LGBT community. She was a mess. And by God's good grace, he saved her. And Debbie and I, and especially Debbie, we poured hundreds of hours into this young girl. And uh, God has done a tremendous work of grace in her life. And uh, because I cycled at the time, she started cycling and uh, became quite an accomplished cyclist uh, in the women's category there in South Africa. And along the way, uh, a few years ago, she met James there on the left. James was one of the first South Africans to get a pro contract to ride on the European cycling circuit to include some of the big tours like the Tour de France and, and other big races. And uh, he had a career-ending accident where somebody broadsided him and crushed his hip. And so he went into Great Depression, became an alcoholic. And uh, a few years ago, about four years ago now, I was able to counsel him and work with him and give him the gospel. And God saved him and God brought him out of his uh, alcoholism. And eventually he and Justine got married. And now they own a bicycle shop. And uh, now I'm the benefactor of, uh, of a lot of upgrades on my bikes. Two years ago for my birthday, they gave me a beautiful dual suspension mountain bike to go with my other mountain bike and my road bike. So uh, God's been very good to me. That was their way of saying thanks for all that I had done. And uh, I could have never have afforded that bike otherwise. So uh, that's just... Uh, just to give you a little story there of, of what God has done in their lives, and I've had the privilege of baptizing both of them and seeing them grow in grace. And uh, so we praise God for what he's doing there. Let me just close with this. My time is basically up, but this has been our verse for 27 years. I remember Echo told me about 28 years ago, you need a verse. And I said, oh, what's our verse going to be? And uh, every, every missionary has a verse. This has been our verse. Uh, Colossians 1, 28 and 29. And uh, you can pray that God will keep us faithful to this verse, to just keep proclaiming the Lord Jesus Christ until he comes. And uh, to the, the, the whole gospel, and not to truncate it in any way or to minimize it or diminish it. And so that's what we've tried to be about by God's grace. And it's through your prayers and support and encouragement that we've been able to do this for 26 years now. And so we praise God for you back here. Continue to lift us up in prayer. I forgot prayer cards. Uh, I will make sure that we get prayer cards on the table next week. I do have a batch of them so that if you want one and as a reminder to pray for us, you can do just that. So I think my time is up, Um, but I can take some questions. Okay. Uh, Yes, Dolores. Oh, thank you. It's a good thing I have a good woman behind me and all of that. And you might wonder, by the way, why she's not in the picture. She doesn't like 
to have her picture taken. That doesn't mean she's not helping me. I couldn't do what I do without her. But, uh, you know, and I'm always asked, well, what's a yank like you doing in a place like this when I'm in South Africa? And I say it's for the love of a good woman. But uh, we, we have tried to stay true to the word. And if you uh, when you write a book called Same-Sex Marriage, is it really the same? Uh, that's not a good way to influence friends and enemies. So you'll make a lot of enemies, and certainly we've done that, but uh, that's never been the intention. And uh, one prayer request on that note, Dolores, is a few weeks ago I was approached. Somebody contacted me and said, uh, yeah, we spoke to somebody at Tim Cantrell's church in Johannesburg, and they said, you're an expert on transgenderism, and we have a daughter who claims to be transgender. I muttered under my breath, thank you, Tim. Um, And so we've been counseling her. They're not in our church. They're from the other side of town, and you can pray about that. It's the first time I've ever encountered transgenderism, but it will not be the last time that I encounter it. And so we're trying to counsel her through this. And so you can pray for Hannah. Uh, She started university on Monday, and I fear for her as she goes to university because they're incubators for this stuff. And uh, so she's made some progress in a very short time, but I pray that uh, she doesn't uh, go back pedal now. So anybody else? Um, There are two versions to the story. Uh, There's mine and then there's the truth. Um, But uh, we met in Bible college. The Lord saved me uh, when I was 19 in the U.S. Air Force. And the same airman who pointed me to Christ was attending a little Bible college uh, in Florida called Spurgeon Baptist Bible College, or as we used to call it, Spurgeon Baptist Bridal College. And so I arrived there, and I had no idea. I thought there were like three or 400 students, and there were only 70. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. And uh, so uh, there weren't many single gals there. And uh, so he said, I want to introduce you to this girl. She came all the way from South Africa. I said, well, that's rather intriguing. So I was my, my curiosity was piqued and she worked in the library. And uh, so I used to go and hang out in the library. And uh, as I used to say, I feigned uh, I, I feigned being an astute academician. And I'd check out all these books, and I'd wait for the overdue notices to come because then I had to go pay the fine to the librarian. And uh, so I got the courage to ask her out, and we went out, and, uh, you know, the rest is history, as they say. So uh, it was for the love of books that ultimately we were brought together. And uh, when we got engaged, she said, well, you do understand that if you marry me, you're going back to South Africa. And so we've been back there for 26 years now. So by God's good grace. So. Yeah, one more question. Well, I have a question. It's kind of a silly one, but it just struck my funny bone that David Fowler working with someone named Tiny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's about uh, five foot six, maybe five foot five. So he does live up to his name. So believe it or not. So, but he, he's a dear man. Anybody else? Okay. Well, I think as I close, I didn't put prayer requests up there. You could pray for the Berean Bible Institute and all that we have to do there. Uh, Secondly, you could just pray for Debbie and myself as we um, 
as we make our way to our supporting churches over the next couple of months and visit them here in the Southern California area. And uh, then also just uh, pray for South Africa as a country. I mean, they're going through the same craziness that everybody else is. But essentially, we have a Marxist government there, and they're clamping down on that now. And we're seeing it go more and more Marxist as time goes on. And so that's going, that brings some very unique challenges uh, to, to just everyday life, let alone ministry. So be in prayer about that as well. So thank you, Alex.